Welcome to the Decentralized Consciousness Podcast. I'm here today with Jerry Katz. Welcome, Jerry. Hi, so uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I found you through uh, Citadel 21, the the Bitcoin magazine, uh, where you wrote about non-duality and Bitcoin a couple of years ago now. So that was uh, really refreshing to hear some non-dualistic perspectives on, on Bitcoin. Yeah, thank you. Yep, Citadel 21 was uh, very kind to publish my article because, I mean, look, non-duality and Bitcoin, they do have some resonance. And um, I mean, people have looked at Bitcoin from a spiritual point of view and yeah. non-duality you know when we talk about non-duality there's one aspect it's a, it's paradoxical to say there's two aspects to non-duality because non-duality means not two but that's really paradox really is probably the hallmark of pursuing this understanding of non-duality you're going to find paradox uh from beginning to end. And um, sometimes I think that the definition of a happy life is being comfortable with paradox and even enjoying it. So that's uh, that's an important part. Um, I mentioned in that article on uh, Citadel that that we live the paradox. I mean, because the paradox is that reality itself has no center uh it's decentralized and yet we live as though there are centers everywhere right i mean there's a center to what we're doing here there's uh, a center to uh communities and families and uh any type of uh online group we belong to and um we need that we need that those centers because uh they're functional so we don't want to be trapped uh, and kind of limited in a world of uh concepts but um you know we have to function with them yet it's important to look to live uh live beyond that um and to realize the nature of reality and so when we do both those things realize that na- that reality has no center and um and at the same time we function and live with uh, uh groups and circumstances that have a center that's called living the paradox and we don't want to get lost in one or the other we don't want our life to become totally living in the absolute where we can't function in our in our, in our lives or society and we don't want to be lost in the um everyday um hockey game in the head you know of 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 uh society and anxiety so so we want both we want to uh we want to live the paradox um, and bitcoin is like that so but maybe we'll, we'll get more into that i think maybe we can talk about non-duality and then see how it applies to uh to, uh, to Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin does have its paradox. I mean, does it exist? I mean, what is it? What is it concretely? 
and yet we act as if it is a real thing. I mean, it, it is a real thing. But in some sense, uh, its existence is uh, is nebulous. So it's both. And again, that's uh, that's uh, that's paradoxical. Yeah, we will dive into all of that soon. But first, uh, I would like to hear you talk about your life a little bit, so we can get to know you, your physical well, avatar. Um... Yeah, you know, I've always been um, interested in, in awareness and in consciousness and in what's real and what this world is. And I would say that started really around the age of around three or four. And the experience was that I was with my family and we were in uh, Washington, D.C. And Suddenly, I was sitting on a small ledge, small small curb or stoop, and there was um, in front of a building, a major building, and there was a fountain in front of it. So I was sitting right along this fountain. Now, what happened was that I woke up to that experience. I just saw myself having this experience of watching the water in the fountain. Now, there were colored lights on the fountain. One was red and one was blue. And so between the red light and the blue light and the, the white water in between, you had the red, white, and blue, uh, appropriate for Washington, D.C. But I remember having that experience and thinking, and I'm only three or four. I don't know what, what I was, but I verbalized the words, this is my first experience. It's like I knew I was having an experience and that it was my first experience. And then the other part of that was that I uttered, I'll remember this forever. And um, that was, I mean, I was organically and naturally just interested in experience itself and the fact that it, it was some entity whether you call it me or whatever it was, was aware of that at that age. It really made me think that whatever entity knew that, it might have come from somewhere else. You know, people talk about rebirth and past lives. I really wonder if, if that entity was some past life that entered into my body and had that experience and said, hey, okay, I'm back. This is my first experience. I'm here. You know, we're going. This is the show. So, to this very second, as I speak, I'm not sure if who was speaking is that guy or person that had that experience back in Washington, D.C., or whether it's, uh, you know, this guy, Jerry, that was born or that's in his body. I don't really know who was speaking. Uh, could be both of us. I honestly don't know. But that entity within this body then had other experiences so that what I just described happened around age three or four. And uh, the um, starting around age 10, between age 10 and 12, I had several initiations into uh, the I am, what I call the I am. But this happened with uh, visitations by beings that 
I don't know, years later, I recognized them as various different um, sages, non-dual sages and gurus. At the time, I didn't know who or what they were. I was just scared. You know, 10 years old and people walk into your room and then they utter a mantra several times. And um, the mantra was frightening. It was very thunderous. Hmm. Again, at the time, I didn't know anything about mantras or uh, anything. Um, and this repeated, these visitations happened three times. And it being later years, I realized what was happening. So I can talk more about it, but there are other initiations that finally led to an interest in non-duality, including an initiation into, into the word non-duality. But I'll stop here. If you have any comments, anything that parallels your own experience or anything, somehow, somehow I'll give you a chance to say something, give me a break. Yeah. 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 What you say awakened many things in me. Lots of assumptions <laughs> and lots of stories that I've hold on to in periods of my life, but that uh, I hold very, very loosely now. So having other people talk through you i have i have a lot of experience with this and uh, and what you said about the mantras being powerful and thunderous also awakened memories in me where uh, where people from higher consciousness or uh, talk sometimes it feels like a thunder because mm. it's just so powerful it's like beyond the scope of what we are used to it's like one word is um, it's like they are talking at root level you know so we have all these distortion trees so we have a problem where we are young and then that problem sort of keeps repeating and we just add layers and layers and layers so so the the root structure uh i find that these non-dualistic beings sometimes they talk on this root structure so they say things like how are you and it feels like my whole being is almost exploding because there is talking to that deep part of myself that I haven't seen for a long time. It's been buried. And uh, it's um, just some of the experiences that that were triggered when you were talking. But please continue. Please give us more details. It's very interesting. Yeah, I enjoyed hearing what you said, and I, I agree, and I'm glad to hear that you've experienced that 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 kind of thunder, you know, in a, in a, in a way that's almost the definition of the guru, is that they um, they are literally that thunder, you know. Some some people serve that serve that function, but and I do agree that what we have are stories here, memories, and um, you know they are what they are. They're kind of like business cards in a way, calling cards, and um, they could be. You know, they're interesting. They could be helpful to someone, and um, but they are stories, and 
and part of the stories that they have, if it's part of the story I'm telling is that the stories have all dissolved. They're just uh, something to be used to, you know, connect with people or have a conversation. They may not be worth much more than that. But uh, so I had these three visitations and uh, I think one of the more powerful ones of that happened around age 12 was it was not a visitation but an out-of-the-body experience and in this out-of-the-body experience i was laying in bed and i left my body and i could see my body laying there breathing so that wasn't so much an initiation uh, or a thunderous event but what was was when i turned away from myself and looked in the opposite direction I was in a I was in a starry sky. It was just a sky full of stars, and uh, I focused on one, and that star opened up and um, and pulled me in. That that star I recognized as that mantra that was spoken to me. It was uh, it was another I am initiation, and. I don't know if I mentioned the word initiation earlier, but an initiation, you, you described it when you said that something thunderous penetrated. I'm, I'm paraphrasing you. I'm not using your words, but it kind of, you know, enters into you and changes you on a very deep level. Um, on a root level, I think you use the term root. And so an initiation is what does, is what I think affects you at that root level, even changes your uh, perception and even cellular you can feel your body changing even that's a real initiation and you can compare that to something like an insight you know, we get insights all the time insights aren't necessarily thunderous and change you you know um or aha moments people talk of aha moments they're kind of like insights or and, and they're good to have they can be important but they're not initiations so we're talking about something very um again to you repeat our words thunderous radical radical comes from the word root. So we can say they're radical, they're thunderous, they're almost guru-like. And I felt I had those initiations into the I am. And then, you know, from the age of 12 or so, life just went on. I had no interest in pursuing them, pursuing what I experienced. I didn't really realize what I experienced until I was in my 20s. Um, and then I was able to just pursue spirituality in all the ways that people pursue them, uh, but it was it wasn't until around 1980 that I uh, stumbled onto the word non-duality, and, and when I heard that word, that was another initiation. That word just entered into me, and I had to pursue it. So from around 1980, um, for years and decades, I just pursued non-duality and tried to understand it. Non-dualities was hard to understand in those days because you didn't have the internet. You didn't. You didn't have friends that were into duality, and people didn't even know the word. So um, somehow I came to be familiar with non-duality, the experience of it, and I started a group online. Again, it was in nineteen it started in ninety-seven, but the first group was was in ninety-eight. People didn't know the word non-duality, but. Uh, but eventually people have come to non-dualities become somewhat mainstream in spirituality at this point. Anyway, those are some highlights of my so-called spiritual life. Now, 
this entire I am, we talk about story holding it lightly. Well, I lived, I lived in this I am kind of sense of being until somewhere in my 40s, and um, it just dissolved. It was just, just wasn't there anymore. There was no, I, even now, I can't really speak of an I am. I, I can relate stories as, I, as I've done, but I don't have that experience. So that's gone. So um, now while I was in that kind of mode of I amness, I had a kind of a um, expression that went along with it. And the expression was, there is only one day. That was my perception of life in this I amness type of state. Now, once the I am dissolved, it was uh, instead of there is only one day, the, the obvious utterance was there is only this. So this being more intimate, more close, less uh, less dimensional, really non-dimensional than uh, one day. So the one day is kind of conceptual, and, and, and thisness or this is more non-conceptual. And I think at that point, you then you, you're kind of experiencing the non-dual nature of of reality, and yet you know your life goes on and. Uh, Still, uh, you know, always still learning and seeking new ways of how things are expressed, and it's it's just ongoing. Uh, and then you know, then you stumble into Bitcoin, and you realize there are resonances between Bitcoin and non-duality, and that's what I so that's that's what I wrote about in um, Citadel Twenty One, excellent uh, magazine. That's kind of the story up to up to this point I'm trying to figure out the connections between non-duality and bitcoin and they and they certainly exist okay i see so so you experienced non-duality firsthand in that period of your life and then now you're experiencing yourself as a separate being and you you have memories and stories from that time and you're still interested in the topic that must be an interesting position because memories are almost like portals. You know, you can relive memories. So you can sort of, you can remember how it was and then you have a physical reality where you're experiencing something different. And and maybe that's the point. Maybe maybe you, you came here that you, you wanted to experience yourself as a separate being. Any thoughts about that? Well, the idea of a separate being, I mean, there's no separation. I mean, the, na the nature of everything is non-dual, so there's, it means there's there's not two. It also means there's not one. So you have to get your head around, not only is there not, not two, there really isn't even one. So um, there isn't even the absence of the one, you know. And, and, yet, and yet, you know, you have to live your life as though you know, with an ego, and an ego simply means boundaries. So, yeah, you have to live like that. But are we actually separate? Well, then, you know, you look at some of the metaphors of, uh, for example, the, the ocean and the wave, and uh, the wave arises, it's highly individualistic. I mean, no two waves could possibly be the same. And yet they're not separate from the greater reality. So... Again, when we're trying to understand non-duality, the hallmark is paradox. So, 
anything you, you any any kind of label that's put on anything uh, can't be conclusive. It can't be final. It can't be the truth because there's always another side that uh, consumes whatever whatever your position is, whatever is concluded. The greater reality is has already consumed it even before it was ever uttered. So the separate life is uh, is is apparent. We appear to have a separate life, yeah, for sure. But I wouldn't say that that's the true condition. I I couldn't say that. But you know, you know life certainly appears to be, certainly appears to uh, to be that way. Yeah. So. For me, it has been uh, a journey of attempting to embody non-dualism in the way that in the lower consciousness, then we see ourselves as separate. And that's why we need to do things to get things. So we need to work to get money, for example. But like the new age movement is saying that but when we are able to embody the highest self or the node on the creation network as i say in bitcoin terms so i see each soul as a node and mm. we can be a closed node or it can be a shut down node and that's when we are living in separation so we think that everything is separate from us and when we think it's separate we believe in lack we believe in scarcity so if we believe in scarcity we need to we think we need to do things to to get things but as an active node on the network we are able to embody the attributes of non-dualism where if we know that the energies of money, for example, is part of us, and if we hone that relationship, then the physical reality have to present that relationship according to the blueprint. So... As long as we think we are separate from money, then the physical reality is representing uh, a separation and scarcity and lack. But when we come to the understanding that we are one with money, then there is no lack. And then the physical reality has to represent this. It's just a mirror as above, so below. Yeah, I mean, that really states it, uh, you know, beautifully. I mean, if I can paraphrase what you're saying, according to my understanding, typically most people believe that they're separate. They believe that they're not connected with other people and with ideas and, you know, the flow of the economy and the flow of, of monetary energy. If they believe that they're separate, if you believe you're separate from that, yeah, you're going to be coming more from scarcity and lack. And um, that's not the optimal way to, uh, to to live life. I mean, non-duality, one of the great, uh, again, another hallmark is interconnection. Everything is connected. Nothing is divided. Nothing is separate. 
although they appear as separate entities, they're they're not nothing is separate. Everything's connected. And again, when you talk about nodes, I mean the Bitcoin infrastructure is uh, interconnected, and the people involved with it, committed to it, people using it are all interconnected. And that's why we talk about a, a Bitcoin community um, and the loyalty. And I can use the word thunder there, the thunderous support of Bitcoin. It comes from people who think it's not just a good idea, but that it resonates with that thunderous initiation, you know, that they had into the nature of reality. And this is why Bitcoin is... Uh, I mean, sure, there are people just investing and buying and selling, making money, but uh, it goes much deeper than that. And that's what I really want to explore through non-duality. And it's, and it's what you've expressed. You've, ex you've talked, you've described this, how people can live in separation, but that there's a way of living that uh, understands and realizes and, and is part of a very vast and deep interconnection. And you can tap into that just consciously. Just be aware of it, and then you can um, build on it. But you know, through practices such as mindfulness and meditation, and just study, just study of some of the sages and the ancient scriptures, ancient non-dual scriptures from Hinduism and Buddhism and every other religion really has non-dual uh, writings. So you know, this is a way to improve someone's monetary well-being, their financial well-being, is to. Uh, pursue non-duality in some way. And you don't have to call it non-duality if it's some new age thinking, if it's some, you know, there are some very good law of attraction people out there that are very non-dual in the way they talk. So if someone is suffering a little from some financial uh, circumstances, um, I mean, you got to do the practical things, like maybe, you know, stop buying Starbucks coffee, you got to do the practical things. But you also can do the the higher consciousness steps. And in fact, you really need to, because that's why we're here. You know, we're here to understand the nature of reality as deeply and profoundly as, as we as we can. Yeah. These stories that we mentioned before, they can also be called subconscious beliefs, or they can be called uh, programs in our bio avatar, they are uh, often picked up from the culture, from the parents, and they all often have this scarcity and lack built into them. And mm -hmm. when we look at these, when we really look at these, like in meditation, you know, and we can come face to face with these programs, we can see that if I let it be, I will be running around trying to fix this lack programming in the external world. I will do this every day for the rest of my life. Or I could just sit with it and allow this program to melt away and whatever that dictated will stop being a lack in the external reality. So when we look at it like this, it makes sense to spend some time on the inner work, like you say, because 
the external chasing of trying to fix the lack. It's uh, it's just like a perpetual program that will never stop because it's rather the, the, the lack is built into it. So it's the lack and the strategy we have to fix it. So it's a lack and strategy to mm. fix it. Lack and strategy, lack and strategy, lack and strategy until we solve it. So it's not like you can fix it one time in the external world because it still exists. So you have to do it again and again and again and again and again. Any reflections yeah. on that? Well, I like what you said um, using your words. I think you said sit with it. So instead of chasing it and trying to fix it, fix financial limitations and problems. I mean, there may be practical things you need to do, but um, it's not something that you want to chase from the disposition of uh, of lack. It's something that you want to sit with it. Those are your words. You want to sit with it and let it and let it dissolve. I mean, that's not easy to do. That is what you have to do. And but to, to sit with it could mean, you know, not like a Zen temple where you're sitting and facing a, a wall. It could be that. Well, let's look at that expression sitting with it now, what is it you're sitting with your circumstance your problem stress anxiety and, it, and when you sit with it you sit with it in a, in a manner in a way and you um to get into that manner or that way you you could practice uh you know, a meditation method, a mindfulness method, it doesn't matter what it is, but you want to sit with it appropriately. Um, you want to know what it is. So it is your problem, you know, it's your anxiety, it's your, it's your failure to uh, attain um, an optimal, uh, you know, money consciousness. So you need to sit with it. And uh, be mindful of it, of what the problem is, and will it dissolve? Well, yeah. I mean, you'll you'll see into into what it is, and you'll you'll eventually have to look at yourself, at the one who is sitting, at the one who is considering what it is. And that one is uh, untouchable, immutable. And those are two qualities by the way, are really attributed to Bitcoin too, because you really can't change Bitcoin. No matter how much the hackers are at it, you know, we know they can hack the uh, the exchanges and all the activity around Bitcoin, but you can't hack uh, Bitcoin. And that resembles your true self. And that's why Bitcoin and non-duality are associated. So when we sit with it, we're keeping a proper mindfulness on what it is, which is just our stresses, our conditioning, our stories. And when we do that, we can see through them and then they can dissolve. And then we have a different worldview, a different perspective. And, 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 uh, and that should bear on our money consciousness. So instead of spending, I mean, very frankly and simply, instead of spending money on things and experiences to um, ease our anxiety and our stress and our difficulty with money, we stop spending the money that way. It's not necessary. And that money, that that energy, then goes elsewhere. It can go into Bitcoin. It can go into education. Go into uh, into what you really need to do. 
And that's another question too. Well, you know, what, what do we really need to do in this life? Not want to do, but need to do. I mean, who knows what we who knows what they really need to do? And um how do we learn what that is? Well, we can sit with it. Same thing. Sit with it mindfully, meditatively, whatever that means to the person who's sitting. Yeah. So yeah, and another Bitcoin meme is the don't trust verify. And I think this relates also to the process of sitting with it because all the false stories, all the scarcity in like programming, they are not true, right? We only think that they are true as long as we believe in them. And they only exist as long as we believe in them. <laughs> and yeah. if we if we go into our programming, we go into our mind or whatever we say, and we just like uh, don't trust, we don't trust the programming for what it says, but we look at it, like you say. And what we find then, uh, not to spoil the surprise, but what we find is that the old scarcity patterns are not true. So they will just fall away because they don't pass this test of don't trust verify. And then if we keep going with that, it's like we come down to this root structure that we talked about before. And that's sort of the, the base layer of, of your uh, node. node. And so so the, the people that came in in your room and, and did that initiation, it's like they were helping you remember your your original nature so they maybe, maybe they were calling your name you know mm -hmm. and uh, and that's where we come if we keep on doing this process of don't trust verify at least that's what it seems like to me so far yeah i mean that's a great point to trend go beyond trust you know trust isn't enough you have to see directly you know what's happening what your situation is and and all that um but yeah but living life again you mentioned the root state and the, the root uh level of uh the i am you can say of right. living and, and we could you know we we need to live from the from the root level of, of what we are the words root and radical are related or radical refers to a root uh a root state or root condition though ideally we live from this from this from radical reality radical reality i mean not only is there i mean the story of our own self is gone so i mean there really isn't even a self there's just there's just this so i mean all stories go away um god even the one who verifies is gone but that's that's radical non-duality what we're talking about isn't is more of a functional non-duality so like we know, so we're dealing with interconnection and, you know, getting along better in the world, seeing it more, seeing the world more for what it is. But there is a, a, a level of non-duality that, uh, that consumes the entire world. And there's just, uh, there's nothing, there's no one, there's nothing happening. I, well, actually, I think that we might be a hundred years ahead of time for the, um, before Bitcoin becomes just commonplace universally, maybe not maybe not a hundred years, maybe ten or twenty, but there's even going to be a level beyond that where uh, 
there's, there's no need for Bitcoin. So then people will realize uh, there never was Bitcoin. And I think that's where a lot of uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a tangent here. Yes. There's a lot of there's a lot of news on alien presence. And you've done a podcast on that. You did a podcast where a woman talked about being a walk-on. True. And um, there is a connection even with alien uh, civilizations because, I mean, are they using Bitcoin? We know that they're not using paper money. They're not using coins. But uh, what's their relationship with money? What is money to them? And where, where we are reverse engineering their technology, what would it be like to reverse engineer their money consciousness? I mean, now we're going beyond Bitcoin. And we're not even, I mean, the world is nowhere near understanding or using Bitcoin. And here we are chatting about what is beyond it and bringing in the alien, uh, the alien presence. But that's radical non-duality, and that's radical Bitcoin consciousness too. Because in both of those, there's there's no one having an experience and nothing happening, and in radical Bitcoin uh, understanding, there's no Bitcoin. There's nothing happening. There's no movement of energy. There's no mathematical. There's no mining. There ain't nothing happening. Now, we can't live from that, right? We can't live from, from those dispositions. But again, paradox kicks in here. We can know those and even experience those states of uh, nothing is happening. But in the meanwhile, you know, we're still paying our taxes and going to work and doing, you know, showing up for uh, podcasts at 1030 or whatever. So uh, that seems to be the nature of, uh, of a non-dual existence. That paradox. Yeah, I don't know about these alien races. It's uh, I've been researching for many years, but what I often find with the alien races is that they are living in power structures. So they are not sovereign. Like you don't you don't often find an alien that is like a sovereign alien that has its own spaceship and he goes around. So they they always follow orders. If they are dark aliens or if they are light aliens, light aliens often like adore their like their president or and they just follow commands. And the dark ones they are you know they are afraid of their leaders, so they just follow commands. Uh, so hmm. I think we are doing something quite unique here on Earth. Yes, yeah, as far as the, the alien civilizations, I think there are many, from what I understand, there are different civilizations. They could have different motives, and and uh, some of them might be dark, some might be light, and um, some might follow orders. But yeah, I, you're, you're right. I'm not sure of any kind of independent loner uh, aliens out there. I don't know. Yeah, sometimes the light, the light aliens, you know, if they like in channeled books and so on. So they talk about the new age as as they will bring in the light government, you know, like like we need then these enlightened beings to be setting rules for us and so on. And as a Bitcoiner, I'm not so attractive to that scenario. And <laughs> they are lining out like 
Yeah, then you have the lower angels, they will be like doing the administration. And and if you look at the dark, it's also a lot of control. Like if they could take over the world, like yeah, they already have control of the world, but and it and it looks like this. Like it's um like what we're living through now is just look of sort of a dark alien control from from my current perspective. And then the light uh, aliens, they want to change it with their power structures. So I'm not so impressed many times when I read uh, those channelings of love and light. I don't know if you have any experiences with that. Well, I've read lots of, uh, I started reading uh, Madame Blavatsky when I was like 16 years old. I got into a lot of that New Age stuff, Alice Bailey, all of her stuff. And her, her, some people say she actually kind of started the new age, and her work was very hierarchical. I mean, she was, I mean, she she was basically favored. Um, I mean, she was very anti-Semitic. So a lot of the new age is is dark, but it also uh, it also can, uh, can give you kind of pushes toward the light. But what we're talking about here is spirituality. But any push toward the light is a Eventually, it could be a push toward non-duality, which is beyond light and dark. So I think a lot of people who uh, are into non-duality may have started by studying kind of traditional spirituality, including New Age teachings. There's some good stuff uh, in the New Age. But I do like what you say, that uh, I never really saw aliens that way as being, uh, you know, as um, being dark and wanting to take over and control but certainly that's that's an element of it. I don't know if we fully understand the alien presence. And some of it seems to be uh, very open-minded. I mean, they, they communicate um, possible dangers to the world if we, if we don't handle technology properly. So that can kind of be looked at as uh, favorable towards, uh, towards Bitcoin because they're they they do um, tell us that if we don't use technology appropriately, that basically we're going to destroy the world, and th that's certainly a message from some aliens. And that message would support uh, Bitcoin, I believe. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, to me, it seems that the, some alien races are just playing in the duality. Like it's light versus dark. So if we have light aliens, we need to have dark aliens to sort of balance out that. So in some levels of existence, I think this is what's going on. It's just like two extremes. So the light ones are not complete. They are, they are just seeing their frequency. You know, they are living in, in one reality and they, they, they are sort of can't see others. And so they judge but then I do think that we also have aliens that are beyond that, uh, that are non-dual. Uh, so that's, that's just one of my stories that I've been having for some time now, that I've been categorizing alien groups as service to others, which is light. They're like giving, giving, and then service to self, they're dark, they're selfish. 
And then you have these beings that have moved past that stage in evolution. And they have mm -hmm. embraced both the dark and the light. Yeah, it makes sense to me. You know, as above, so below. Um, as below, so above. So, yeah, they're no different than us in some ways. And that makes sense. But I don't know. I mean, how much of a tangent is it really to start talking about aliens when, when we're trying to stick to non-duality and Bitcoin? But I think it shows that those topics, that even just Bitcoin alone, can bring in um, almost any topic you want to talk about. You might you'll you'll find a resonance with uh, with Bitcoin. You know that may be the case. Yeah, that's how we started. We talked about other types of money consciousness and alien environments deal with with money, because if they live in abundance, how are they then um, handling money? If it's just uh, like a symbolic gift between people. Because if everyone have everything they need, maybe it's just more similar like love. So like you you get something and you give love back and maybe they have money more connected to love. So you have this unlimited source of unconditional love and everyone has this. So you don't need to really give, but still giving is a, something we like to do maybe and we can just give a little bit more <laughs> to their abundance already i don't know mm. how how it works interesting to bring up unconditional love because I, I was i was using the word uh, non-conceptual love in some writing i did um and that's kind of a non-dual type of love you know if, if you want to use the word love you can use the word god or truth or all those uh, things consciousness awareness or even the word this um so again when we're talking about uh non-duality in its highest way we were talking it's non-conceptual um and we can talk about non-conceptual lovers <laughs> but i don't know if anyone ever had one but uh and how about non-conceptual Bitcoin? I mean, is that, uh, what's that about? Or does that exist? Uh, there's certainly concepts around Bitcoin. There have to be. There's concepts around non-duality. I mean, you can't talk about non-duality without concepts. Even non-conceptuality is a, is a concept. I don't know if you could do that with Bitcoin. Could you? So it's one meme is... Bitcoin is just that Bitcoin is, and I guess that's uh, non-dualistic Bitcoin in a way. Mm -hmm. And non-conceptual Bitcoin, it, yeah, it just brings me back to what you said before. It's like the stories are never true, right? We just use the stories to, like to communicate and to create experiences. And mm -hmm. uh, similar for Bitcoin, it, it just is. And then people find it interesting to create concepts around it. But they're not really necessary. It's already created. It's already is. But mm -hmm. we are here to have an interesting experience. So we, everyone is just doing 
what they feel they have to or they do what they love and uh, we are brought together because we found attraction in bitcoin right and it's i think for both of us it's connected with some kind of love you know we don't we don't do this out of duty right we don't do this because we think we have to but it has uh, spurred some hope and love connectedness and then to be able to communicate this with others we need to come up with some concepts like we're doing here at this very moment <laughs> yeah yeah these are uh yeah you got to use uh, got to use concepts uh and, and again talking about love or truth or consciousness we can go back to that i am thing you know michael saylor who you know we all know one of the great speakers and uh you know, even owners of Bitcoin has said that Bitcoin um, stores your life energy. And that's not easy to understand, but <clears throat> I've come to see that Bitcoin stores the I am. You know, if you if you identify with, with your I am, you might find that, that Bitcoin is a storehouse of the I am. So Bitcoin is very much like the I am. But again, I'm just claiming that and confessing it. I, you know, people have to see that uh, for themselves. And just going off on another tangent, one of my favorite teachers is um, an architect by the name of Christopher Alexander. He taught at Berkeley for many years. And he, he had a theory that everything, every component of architecture um, has the I am within it. So when he designs something, he looks for what he calls the I. I'm calling it the I am. He says you every element of architecture of a building, from its, from its largest components to its to some element of its doorknob to its smallest components, they each have to carry or store the I am, the truth of a person. He calls a living center. So this is something I'd like to write about. But I would say that Bitcoin is a living center within financial all financial cultures maybe one of the only living centers but it stores i am energy and i am energy is at the center of any living being and a living being is, is something that's you know you can feel it in bitcoin it's alive it's interconnected it's undefinable it's there's no center to it it's that alive when something is so alive that it has no center I mean, how alive is that? It's everything. It's the aliveness of everything. So um, there I was just trying to connect again the I am with architecture, which a little far-fetched, uh, and then back to Bitcoin. But hey, it just shows that everything's interconnected. You can look at architecture. You look at any field you want. Whatever, wherever you look, it's a doorway to um, non-dual understanding. And when you have that understanding, you can really see it pretty strongly in Bitcoin and in other living centers, wherever you look. Often they're located in architecture or other works of art, but they're, they're within your own self. You want to find the living centers within your own self. So I don't know. I think we've, I think we've kind of run the gamut from new age to spirituality to some non-duality that transcends spirituality. What does that leave us with? Yeah, I think the only thing standing in the way between bitcoiners and and realizing that power of i am 
energy in in bitcoin is is the stories of lack and scarcity that that we brought from the lower consciousness that's sort of what separates us from truly tapping into the potential of bitcoin so when we get this when we get that bitcoin is part of us that we can have a personal relationship with bitcoin and like how we feel towards bitcoin is what's manifesting in our physical reality and if we feel that we have to work very hard to get bitcoin then that's what we play out if we mm -hmm. feel that bitcoin is a very giving being and we, we he just wants us to be our true self and just spend our days doing what we love and, and that's mm -hmm. i think is our sort of normal state but the lack yeah. and scarcity programming is disturbing that from taking place at this time so we need sort of a time span or maybe 100 years or so for for a larger group of humans to understand this and to have the guts to look at the scarcity like programming sit with it and embrace bitcoin not only externally but internally so mm. that it can manifest as this i am presence for and if this happens for a few thousand people then maybe it will catch on mm -hmm. yeah well it will but like you said, it takes time. That was beautifully stated, by the way. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. And, and again, you know, the the um, cornerstone of a lot of this understanding is is um, pursue pursue both Bitcoin by studying it and pursue non-duality, pursue your own true nature. And that's just done by, you know, whatever your path is. I mean, it could be meditation. It may not be meditation. You got to find out what your the person has to find out what their true path is. Um, and the only way you can do that, or one way to do that, just expose yourself to everything. Just, you know, the word non-duality is like a red pill, right? In the in the movie, The Matrix, the red pill opened you up to your true nature. And the word non-duality is like a red pill. You just, just let a search engine swallow it. And what's going to open up is going to be an entire world of possibilities for your self-realization. And it's just something you have to start pursuing if somebody wants to do that. And it does, you know, it will, it will, you know, create an opening in the uh, scarcity mindset and, um, you know, open you up to a more of an abundance uh, mindset. Yeah. So this is, this is something someone can do. Start pursuing non-duality, find out how to do it and do it and keep studying Bitcoin and buy some Bitcoin or invest in it somehow. And it's a good journey. That's a good path. The funny story around how, how I found you was that uh, the last edition of Citadel 21, I wrote an article called Bitcoin is non-dualistic. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, and then uh, I was just trying, I was supposed to send it to, to someone and then I was just searching uh, Citadel 21, non-duality, <laughs> And then your article showed up instead of mine. Oh, well, look, you should, you should still publish it because I want to do more writing. And I have done more writing on, on non-duality and Bitcoin. There's, you know, no one's doing it. It's a niche. 
that, according to my search online, like nobody's writing about it. I wrote an article and you wrote something. And so I encourage you to keep writing and let's keep connecting because look, non-duality is still a little known in the world. It's somewhat in the mainstream, but that's still relatively little known. And that's after 25 years of, of promoting non-duality, the, the word non-duality. Um, so Bitcoin will take time to take a long time, but uh, you know, we got to keep talking about it if you're interested in writing about it. So I hope you'll do some more writing about it because we do see things, you know, at some point we see things the same, but it, but we diverge too. We see things differently. Like, you know, you you, you kind of shared that your um, feeling or your insights into um, aliens and that, uh, you know, that kind of opened me to that in a new way. I hadn't really seen it the way you do. So, um, yeah, an entire non-duality and Bitcoin community could easily open up. But maybe it's up to two of us to push it. So I, I appreciate that you're inviting me on your on your show to talk about it. Yeah, was it uh, anything else you were hoping to discuss today when you prepared? Maybe I mean, look, there's a lot more, a lot more we could talk about. We could, we could have talked about anti-fragility of non-duality and. Uh, in Bitcoin, we could have talked about more about decentralization because there's no center to non-duality. There's no center. Uh, I mean, Bitcoin is decentralized in, in, in financial respects. But uh, yeah, we can, you know, I'm yeah. going to do some more writing on it. You should do some more writing on it, and uh, let's keep uh, keep promoting this uh, this issue. Yeah. A decentralization has been, uh, I think that's the main feature of Bitcoin that I like. Yeah, it's powerful. But I think that's sort of a signature of the of the consciousness that humanity are moving towards. Uh, and the centralization is the hallmark of the of the suffering consciousness. Exactly. I have, I have a quote here from Andreas Antonopoulos, who, who we all know, one of the great early teachers on Bitcoin and writers. Everyone should access his, his material. And a quote from him is, he says, there is no center to the Bitcoin network, no central authority, no concentration of power, and no actor in whom complete trust must be vested. Again, that word, trust. You don't need trust. There's no center to it. All that bears on uh, non-duality. There's no there's no center to these teachings of non-duality. There are teachers, there are teachings, there are traditions, but there's no center to it all. There's no central authority. You know, there's no guy or woman who's the central authority on on non-duality culture. There's no there's no real there's no concentration of power in non-duality. Um, probably as a little but no one takes it seriously. And there's no actor within non-duality or Bitcoin in whom you must uh, place your complete trust. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So th those are strong uh, parallels between, uh, you know, the decentralization of Bitcoin and uh, the culture of non-duality. Yeah, I really liked what you said about Bitcoin being that thunderous voice and that the bitcoiners are sort of 
amplifying that in society today. It's um, yeah, that's probably it's like an initiation, you could say. Bitcoin is like an initiation for humanity. If we take that parallel to it your, could be. I'm, I'm sure many people who have gotten into it and studied it and have had this sudden initiation, sudden thunderous realization that wait a minute here, there's something here that's evolutionary. There's something that's uh, almost like the uh, the monolith in the movie 2001. It's there. And it's going to promote a healthy evolution of uh, of humanity in this, you know, not just financial, not just in financial circles, but just overall. Overall, Bitcoin promotes interconnectedness as a whole. And the decentralization of Bitcoin um, aligns with non-duality, non-dual consciousness. And both non-dual consciousness and Bitcoin challenge the challenge this whole um, separation thing this whole illusion of separation so you know mindfulness in the context of bitcoin really can transform um, a person's uh, understanding of money there's a lot going on here yeah definitely yeah the, i would be happy to continue talking with you about this um, in a while again let's see where in a while are. yeah let's you know our understandings and our uh the, our way of communicating this will certainly change and you know you know let's see what happens but i really appreciate your interest in this i'm glad i didn't know you wrote on on non-duality and bitcoin and um i'd like to see your writing and uh it'd be great yeah, I can send it to you. Sure. Yeah, please do. And, and I can include both of our articles in the description of these podcasts, together with your Twitter uh, link, and also maybe to your website. And you have some books there, right? Yeah, my you know all my um, links can be found at nonduality.com. Mm -hmm. So I got my links to Twitter, Facebook, and uh, my 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 nonduality uh, group. Is is um, which has been around for twenty five years. How and many I have people three... do you have there? Oh, I don't know. There's you know, there's probably several thousand, but maybe there's a hundred or two hundred that are active. Yeah, so people are invited to uh, to join that. And uh, and I have free books, and I need to write a, a book on a uh, Bitcoin and on duality. That's, that's what I'm going to work on. And uh, yeah, maybe we can talk. But I, I hope to hear, hear more from you. And uh, I look forward to your future podcasts with different interesting people. And I thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much for coming. I really enjoyed talking with you. Okay, you're welcome.